Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing tonight? Uh, we are coming to you live, ladies and gentlemen. Right now, as we speak on this Thursday evening, January 20th, 2022, you are watching a brand new episode of The Sea Report. If you are live with us right now, at this moment, and I am your host, Mr. C., as ever and as always. And uh, I definitely hope everyone is having a great night tonight and have had a uh, fulfilling day or, you know, at least uh, one that wasn't boring or something like that, right? Well, guys, I can't believe it's already going to be the end of the month. Boy, has this month flown by. I'm sure that will be... Uh, evidence of uh, exactly how fast this year is going to pass by and uh, we will see what's up guys uh, what do you think it is that causes the uh, time to move so fast you know it is a topic of conversation I know there are some uh, metaphysical theories on that there are some practical theories on that uh, there are some theories that just you know the older you get the quicker time goes why probably because you're so used to the feel of time and uh, it's a pseudo-linear form and fashion that uh, we tend to follow it in. I don't know either way, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, maybe, uh, at least for me, it has something to do with, like, uh, uh, just, you know, uh, jumping in to the news and the headlines every day. I mean, you know, it's like story after story after story, you know, eventually you start to get a pulse of uh, how, uh, you know, the uh, news cycle flows um, and, you know, right now they're just tossing out stories. I mean, we got some uh, pretty big stuff, you know, uh, coming up on the horizon. A lot of notable things uh, to talk about. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of those notable things today. You know, but it's kind of like, um, uh, kind of like how, you know, we, you, you, sometimes you get those back-to-backs. Like we had the, uh, we had the Trump rally and we also had the uh, hostage situation. And then, uh, you know, we had, uh, everything that's going on with illegitimate Joe Biden, all the gaffes that he's making. I mean, that doesn't fail to not make headlines. And then, uh, all of the exposure that's coming out around COVID-19 and the vaccines and the, the mandates, uh, you know, funny thing is though, if you're only paying attention to any of the outlets for the mainstream, lamestream, fake news media, you're really going to get a bunch of regurgitated stories. The really exciting stuff happens on the independent circuit uh, where, you know, we have uh, we have voices in journalism that still maintain their freedom of press. Now, that's where the action is. That's where you kind of get overloaded sometimes, you know. And so uh, uh, Overloaded isn't bad, though. It leaves us uh, for plenty to talk about and plenty to ponder over, um, you know, and, and perhaps that's why uh, they're really pushing this entire war with Russia, you know, and we've talked about war with Russia here at the Sea Report, uh, you know, for a few shows. Uh, really, really the crux of that for us anyways uh, was everything that was happening in Kazakhstan. Uh, and we know things are still happening over there in Kazakhstan, uh, but uh, they're really trying to figure out why things went down the way they did. I mean, uh, a lot of the uh, pundits and talking heads out there, and of course, when you're talking about uh, the speakers of those venues on an international stage, 
You know, a lot of them are all tied into the globalist syndicate or the circuit uh, of newspapers and news outlets and agencies, their own version of the uh, lamestream, uh, shamestream, uh, fake news legacy media uh, abroad. Um, yeah, I was just watching some reports today uh, that where they were talking about, you know, uh, how uh, uh, um, President Tukayev, uh, who is the current president of... Uh, of uh, Kazakhstan, uh, the one who uh, who uh, endured the um, protest slash failed coup d'état, um, how he could benefit, or or what was really going on there, whenever uh, you know uh, all of this was going on, this this whole protest and all of these uh, this uprising of citizens, right? Um, and uh, in this in this report, uh, you know, you got you got three pundits and one host, and every single one of those pundits uh, were just going on and on and on about how it was a lie uh, about uh, the coup d'état, and uh, you know, uh, it was definitely Russia had something to do with it. Uh, so yeah, Russia, 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 Marsha, 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 Captain Longborder, good to see you, sir. Hi, Cloud Watcher. Uh, good evening, good evening. Thanks for popping in tonight, guys. But, um, you know, uh, it's just, they, you, you know, you know that new kind of phrase, if you know, you know, like, if you know exactly how our government, as run by the deep state globalists, feel about Russia, uh, it, it becomes very easy to discern what they are doing and what they're setting up, you know, and admittedly, I would say uh, the question that I myself ask is in regards to Tokiev uh, conquering a failed coup by a government that he was a puppet of, uh, you have to wonder if uh, this guy is really going to uh, do what he says, you know, and uh, uh, end corruption and also uh, return some wealth back to uh, the people of Kajistan, because after all, Kajistan is so wealthy with, uh, you know, uh, natural resources, uh, you know, what they're number two for uranium, uh, you know, they were number two or the number one for uranium, they're one or two for uranium, and then also for uh, Bitcoin mining and, you know, oil as well in the Caspian Sea, like they have a lot of resources, but the president of Kazakhstan for 30 years, uh, Nur Sultan Nazarbayev, um, you know, he, uh, he enriched himself, he enriched his family. Apparently, even Tokiev and his family were enriched by these schemes. So one has to wonder, is Tokiev going to follow through? Or is he just going to, was this just a power grab for Tokiev? that he took advantage of as Nazarbayev tried to get him out. All, isn't that not so convoluted, right? So I guess it's, uh, I guess it's easy to understand why these pundits would say, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was fake because uh, uh, you have your human rights people and you have your NGOs and you have your United Nations uh, and you have Anthony Blinken over at the Deep State Department uh, telling him that uh, they need to respect the protesters. But at the same time, if you look at it from the angle that uh, Russia and China say that this was actually a Western-backed or a United States-backed coup to throw out Tokiev, 
um, because apparently he was trying to end corruption. Uh, apparently, he's been in office since uh, 2019, and since 2019, he's been working on reforms. And uh, since 2019, he's been talking about, uh, you know, returning the money to the people. Uh, all of these points of views, right? And uh, so uh, it could make sense then that the United States was trying to toss him out. Because after all, Kazakhstan was uh, part of their bread and butter. You know, a lot of money from uh, businesses, politicians, business people uh, was wrapped up in Kazakhstan. So uh, that could make sense. You know, maybe they want to bring uh, Nazarbayev back or maybe they want uh, Nazarbayev to appoint uh, 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 Karim uh, Marsalam or whatever his name was to, uh, you know, Hunter Biden's buddy. Um, to, uh, to that position, you know, and we see that that didn't happen. Uh, so that's something to watch guys. But, um, in particular, I believe what Putin had said is that it, it reminded him of, uh, the uh, revolutions or the protests that they saw in the Ukraine and in other areas of, um, of, um, yeah, Eastern Europe and Asia, you know? Uh, so, yeah, I was just kind of on it today with that topic, guys. I don't know why. It's because they keep they keep saying war and we know, guys. We know. We've already been through this. We've already talked about this. We know for a fact that um the only thing that's pissing Putin off is that they keep on moving military equipment and installations further east towards Russia. And uh, they were supposed to have, like, something like a 2,000-mile safety zone between uh, NATO's forces and the Russian, uh, I think, in um, Moscow. Uh, so uh, I, think, I think they're down to, like, less than 1,000 miles or something like that. They're, like, 850 miles uh, of, of separation from NATO and Russia. So that's the reason why they're upset, you know. Uh, but we, we keep hearing the same old, same old sing song war drum playing uh that says that russia is the one who is being uh is being aggressive because they won't relent but of course you know uh putin's stubborn you know so uh it, it, i mean that is just that guys that is just that what a dive i was doing today and then uh, to go back into ukraine guys and to go over some of the things that are going on in Ukraine. You know what? For the life of me, I cannot wrap my head around. I cannot wrap my head around President Zelensky. Okay. I think I was uh, having a breakthrough, but then I had to stop myself. So this way I could prepare tonight's show. And, uh, uh, you know, because uh, President Zelensky came off as an ally with President Trump. Uh, come to find out, uh, I guess, uh, towards the end of President Trump, maybe 2020 or so, uh, he and Zelensky kind of had a little bit of a disagreement, you know, and uh, then other people are talking about Zelensky as being as possibly being corrupt as well. And it seems like if that were to be true, no matter who they have in Ukraine, uh, they are just all corrupt as sin. Um, and now we have Poroshenko, <laughs> Poroshenko being the president right before Zelensky. And I, I'm sorry, guys. I know I'm just shooting out, you know, gibberish at you guys right now with Poroshenko and, uh, and Nabazarbayev uh, and uh, Tokyev and uh, Zelensky. But uh, humor me for a minute, guys, while I kind of work this through my head with you all. 
Um, uh, Poroshenko, and you guys might remember hearing about Poroshenko from Rudy Giuliani uh, back when he was uh, doing the Hunter Biden and uh, Burisma thing, you know, uh, um, and investigating, prosecuting, whatever. And uh, Poroshenko, who's one of the most corrupt presidents that they have, he looted their military, okay? He, he increased the wealth of his family by 80 times in his time in office. Like, he is one of the most corrupt presidents ever in Ukraine. And uh, Zelensky beat him by popular vote. Zelensky being the uh, being the uh, the actor comedian president uh, who was on the other side of that perfect phone call that Adam Schiff so uh, miserably uh, faked, uh, but uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! So uh, Poroshenko's coming back into Ukraine, right? He's gonna get charged with treason. Okay, so it's like, oh, they're finally going to give him, he's finally going to see his day of justice. Zelensky's going to ensure it. But, you know, if you look at the headlines, or if you look at all the little video stills of uh, Poroshenko returning to Ukraine, it is exactly like that. They're like, it's like a hero returns. And I'm like, wait, 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 just wait, 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 hold on, pump your brakes. This guy was one of the most miserable corrupt presidents in Ukraine in recent memory and the media is touting him as a hero returning to Ukraine something's not fitting right here but you know what it is guys and I'll tell you exactly what it is Poroshenko is he goes hard on Putin um, and uh, some of these people are saying that uh, he has returned to defeat Putin. So if they can't get Zelensky to pull the trigger, because I've heard complaints about this guy also, like uh, uh, they have a uh, they have a, a a no a no shooting deal, but uh, it's uh, it's one sided, right? So the, uh, the Ukrainians can't uh, you know fire, but uh, uh, the Russians can. Uh, anyways. You know, and in in, in this uh, strangely, uh, you know, uh, created mind of mind, uh, I just, you know, one thing comes to mind. One thing comes to mind uh, because they want a war. OK, uh, you know, uh, and they, they have this whole back and forth between uh, you know, Russia and uh, Ukraine and uh, NATO. And, and then you have little Biden over here saying small incursions and we won't, you know, hey, you just ruined the narrative, Biden. What are you talking about? You can't say small incursion. Any, you know, one, one, one toe over the line, Biden, and that is merit enough for war, right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> they want a war, guys. And uh, when I start to put two and two together, and as you know, uh, at least in some in some instances and in some uh, in some neighborhoods, uh, two and two does equal four, right? Uh, but uh, I just think uh, I just think you got Poroshenko coming back. You have uh, you have the courts going easy on him. Uh, he's being touted as a hero by everyone. And uh, I don't know where they're at with Zelensky, but uh, I could see them either A, assassination attempt, or I could see them uh, B, 
false flag on uh, Ukraine against Zelensky. And then Poroshenko steps in and then, oh man, we got a war. Are you guys ready? Because that is the only thing that will help assist, uh, you know, uh, enable the globalist deep state pigs to get their war. And that is the only thing that can help them out right now, guys. The fog of war is the only cover they have left, ladies and gentlemen. It is the only thing they have left. It's the only plan in the book that could possibly save them. I don't know. We could brainstorm this together sometime if you'd like, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, and is there anything else that the deep state could do right now at this moment besides throw a war in order to, uh, in order to help cover themselves uh, against uh, everything that's coming to them? Because it's coming, guys. It is coming. Uh, you know, you know uh, speaking of like, you know, subterfuge and deception, uh, you know, the, the, there's the Democrat bill, you know, uh, this election law bill failed. Right. There's uh, there's the United Kingdom. COVID uh, COVID mandates dropped, failed. OK, there's uh, election integrity and election fraud. Now, we keep on getting stories. If you look. There are stories that they keep on pumping out, pumping out, pumping out, pumping out, talking about how uh, uh, we're doing audits now. We, the Associated Press, or we're doing audits now. We, the uh, uh, um, uh, election commission of said state, auditing themselves. Uh, uh, limited risk audits. Um, you know, we're having we're having Pro V and V come and uh, you know plug in and unplug their machines to make sure that they are uh, you know they're uh, free of bugs. Because that's what it amounts to, basically. And you have the venues out here that sell us propaganda plugging away with these articles. And when I read these articles, guys, if I were not paying attention as I am, just the wording of it, just the way that they write it, just the suggestiveness in their tone, I would think, oh, hell. They're right. There was nothing going on in 2020. So for everyone else out there in uh, the sleeping la-la land of America that just, you know, hasn't seemed to wake up yet or are barely waking up, uh, that could easily stumble them or just, you know, put them right back to sleep because uh, nothing happened in 2020. But we cannot, we absolutely cannot forget that there is... Empirical evidence at this point, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that uh, points us the way to the fact that there indeed was election fraud in 2020. And, uh, you know, there was some in 2021. There was some in 2018. There was some in 2016. Um, We don't have all that tracked, you know, to uh, 18 and 16, of course. And, you know... um, there's been more than that, guys. There's been more than that. We're not that naive now, are we? Of course not. We are not. But uh, just some things boiling on the mind, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys are doing great tonight. Good to see you in the audience. One, two, three, SKG. Thank you for gifting that cookie. Relin on. Good evening, sir. Thank you for the 117 gold pills. And Aurelius Locke, my brother. How are you doing this fine evening, sir? Good to see you in the audience. CJM61. 
Good evening, my friend. And CJM says, uh, let Putin have at Ukraine and dissolve the corruption. Ah, you're giving me some more ideas there, CJM. Uh, you're giving me some more ideas there. A lot of these things cross my mind when I'm, I'm going over all this information. Um, where at, Sean Joe? Let me know. Maybe we'll tune in. I'll find it for you. Oh, did you say he's on? Wait, you said he's on Hannity, didn't you? Ah, uh, you guys want to do a little watch party or what? We can probably pop it on. Just give me a moment. Um, uh, speaking of uh, of the corruption, you know that was another thing I was thinking of. What if uh, what if they were? What if Zelensky was? Uh, because I saw some articles to the uh, to the effect that uh, Zelensky was actually working with. Uh, Putin and he was going to be doing his bidding. What if they wanted to do that? What if Zelensky is trying to uh, to get the corruption out by dissolving Ukraine? Uh, because they Russia has Crimea, Russia has Eastern Ukraine, or or the what is it called the 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 Bondif or the I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, it, it could be true, and maybe that's why they want Poroshenko in there, because some of those pundits that were talking about uh, this being a fake coup and, uh, you know, Russia having something to do with it, um, they were uh, they were from, like, the Atlantic Council. What does that... T- I see Biden on here. Exclusive interview with... Oh, okay. Oh, he's probably talking... <laughs> he's probably talking about Biden. Um, I'm telling you guys... I'm telling you, you might be on, you might be on uh, to something there, uh, CJM61. I've, I've kind of heard, you know, if you think about Kazakhstan and the CSTO going into Russia, I mean, into um, Russia going into uh, Kazakhstan, uh, what, what if they were to reform, what if they were to reform the Soviet Union, hmm? Let's see what this doofus has to. Well, not not uh, not not Donald Trump. I mean Biden. I'm seeing Biden. I'm saying doofus. Okay, so I hope you guys know what I'm saying. All right. Well, uh, we uh, interrupt this um, broadcast for an emergency interview with the president of the United States of America. That is one Donald Trump. And uh, let's see what's up today. Rightly so. There's no course correction with him. He seems locked into every one of these failed policies. So, you know, it's, you know, you keep banging your head against the wall. Why why would you expect a different result? So we would have had the wall completed in three weeks. It was largely completed. We did almost 500 miles of wall and the southern border. It was really working. It really had an impact. And we were working along with Mexico and Guatemala, Honduras, we were El Salvador, all of these countries we were working. I stopped paying them because of the fact they were treating us so badly with the caravans. They were putting criminals, emptying their jails into our country. We stopped and they stopped 100 percent. So we had the most secure border we've ever had. And that includes not only people and the wrong people coming in. It also includes drugs. We had the lowest number in 40 years in terms of drugs coming in. People couldn't believe what was going on. And then it's all gone in one instant. And at first I thought it was gross incompetence, but now it's incompetent policy. They really want to have an open border. And I still look at it with amazement. And this week, as you probably read, 121 different countries poured into our country, and we have no idea who these people are. So you look at that and you look at the other things that are happening, what's going on. We're disrespected all over the world. And don't forget, uh, President Xi of China, 
Putin, uh, Kim Jong-un, Iran, all of these people, these leaders are watching. And when they watched, when they watch our border and when they watch, maybe worse, I'd say it's, I think it was the most embarrassing day ever. But as I say, what happened in Afghanistan, the way we got out, it looked like a surrender. Uh, they look at that and all of a sudden they have uh, great bravery. So now you have a problem in Ukraine, which you would have never had under my administration. You have a big problem. You watch after the Olympics, you have a big problem with Taiwan. Uh, you have uh, Kim Jong-un, who I got along with very well. But you have Kim Jong-un now, doesn't like Biden. And uh, he's doing his missile thing again. And you have Iran at a level that we haven't seen them in a long time. We would have had a deal within one week with Iran. We would have had it in one week. China now is buying massive amounts of, of oil, of energy from Iran, and that's giving them a lot of money. So they're fueling up and they're, they're getting rich. And uh, it's a whole different deal. So it's just very sad to what happened. They're all watching and they can't believe what they're seeing. You know, you started with international foreign affairs. Let's stay on that. Uh, you're right about Afghanistan, in my view. Uh, I doubt you would have abandoned Americans behind enemy lines the way Joe did when he promised not to, but he did. And I don't see any hope right now of getting them out anyway. Uh, then you've got President Xi, and they're flying their fighter jets over Taiwan airspace, and they keep talking about reunification. I agree with your prediction that will happen after the Olympics. Uh, you're right about North Korea. They're trying to bring back the horrific Iran deal and the lifting sanctions on Iran. But I want to play for you the, the I think, the most disastrous moment of last night's or yesterday afternoon's press conference. It was too late for him to stay up, I assume. Uh, and that is the minor incursion comment that he made about Russia, Putin, and Ukraine. Let me play it. Russia will be held accountable. If it invades, and it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, et cetera. Mr. President, if I wanted to stop Putin, 48% of his economy is energy. He got a waiver to build the Nord Stream 2 pipeline to give energy to our Western European allies. I would outproduce him and I'd get our energy to Western Europe. If I wanted to stop China, I'd stop all imports uh, from China, and I'd get our allies to join with us, and that would probably put them in line because it would impact them so negatively economically. What is your response to his answer, and what would you do if you were president? So we took in hundreds of billions of dollars from China with taxes and tariffs, and companies started moving back because it was no longer so good to be there, and we had a huge impact. Then you look at what happened with if you if you take a look at what happened with everything having to do with Russia, really what he said last night when he said they may go in, they will go in, and he talked about a minor incursion, and I sort of said I don't believe he said that because that's like giving him you know they used the term green light, he was green lighted, and you know it's very interesting because the president of Ukraine last night he was uh, he was seen in in some very unusual pictures he couldn't believe what he heard he couldn't believe what he heard and i couldn't believe what if whether you're for strong stoppage or not you're really telling him you might as well go in and you also can't just talk in terms of sanctions because sanctions don't mean too much to russia uh, if you 
want to stop somebody, you're not going to be talking just about sanctions. But he really told him, go, and I think it's a whole different ballgame right now. If you look at what's going on with Russia and Ukraine, what they've done at the border, they're loaded up with soldiers. That never happened with me. That would have never happened. I had a very good relationship with Putin. But remember, I stopped their pipeline. If we would go back to producing energy, you know, we were energy independent, first time in probably 72 years, maybe ever, but the first time in at least 72 years, we had so much energy, we didn't know what to do with it. A dollar eighty-seven at the pumps when I left, now it's over $5. In California, it's over $7. For gasoline, if we would get, because inflation is killing us. We haven't talked about inflation killing us. A lot of inflation has to do with the cost of energy because it's sort of this, this big topic. It has, it has to do with just about the making of everything. And if we were energy independent, if we got the prices down, your inflation would, would absolutely start to drop. But I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to finish the wall, which could have been done in three weeks, three weeks. In fact, Texas wanted to finish it, and they wouldn't let them have the fencing that was already bought. It's very expensive fencing, by the way. Wouldn't let them use it. They wouldn't let them use it. Very bad, very bad spirit. But me, if we would be energy independent, if the cost of energy came down, you would see a tremendous hit on inflation because right now it's the worst in probably 62 years. It's also good for our national security because then we don't have to really worry about what's happening in the Straits of Hormuz, where a lot of the world's energy passes through in Iran. We wouldn't have to worry about Middle Eastern politics as much. Uh, and certainly it wouldn't be good for Vladimir Putin as their economy is so reliant on energy. I, I want to get back to the economy in a minute. More broadly, he claimed, Biden claimed last night, that he has probably outperformed expectations. Let me play it for you. Inflation is up. Uh, your signature domestic legislation is stalled in Congress. In a few hours from now, the Senate, uh, an effort in the Senate to deal with voting rights and voting, uh, voting reform legislation is going to fail. COVID-19 is still taking the lives of 1,500 Americans every day. And the nation's divisions are just as raw as they were a year ago. Did you overpromise to the American public what you could achieve in your first year in office? And how do you plan to course correct going forward? Why are you such an optimist? Look. I didn't overpromise, and but I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen. Can you think of any other president's done as much in one year? Name one for me. I'm asking you. <laughs> I'm serious. Mr. President, inflation is now at a 40-year high. Build back better. New Green Deal socialism is dead. Their voting rights power play, thankfully, died. We talked about the Afghanistan disaster. We'll get to COVID in a minute. We'll go back to the economy in a minute. Uh, apparently, he thinks he's doing a great job. Your reaction to that comment? Well, I think that our country has never been so disrespected as it is right now by uh, the rest of the world, by the leaders of the rest of the world. And I don't think we've ever been in this position. Even I, I look at it and I I feel ashamed at what's happened in the last year with our country. I'm ashamed of what's going, going on. And so are Americans. They're ashamed and embarrassed. They haven't seen this. I don't think we've ever seen this like this. Uh, we have lost, you know, they talk about allies. Uh, the, our allies were ripping us off for a long time and I got it stopped. But they're still our allies, and they respected us. Now our allies are not even—I don't think they're allies. They don't trust us anymore. 
uh, the way they do things, even getting out. I was the one that got us down to 2,000 soldiers in Afghanistan. I was getting out, but we were going to get out with strength, with dignity. We were going to do it the right way. We didn't lose one soldier, Sean, in 18 months. We didn't lose. I spoke to the leader of the Taliban, Abdul, and I said, don't do it. I won't have to go into it on this call, but it was a rough call. And we and they didn't 18 months. We didn't lose one soldier in Afghanistan. And then we lose 13 and many, many wounded, horribly wounded with legs and arms, horribly wounded the way they got out. I, I, the I lift, already know the, the secret because you, you said it publicly that you told them on that phone call that you'd wipe them off the face of the earth. Is that true? We had a strong phone call. Let's put it that way. Not one soldier killed. I, and they that would be, the, that would and be pretty you, strong. You see this horrible. <laughs> yeah, well, it was so it was strong and he understood it. And honestly, it was going to be a very smooth. There was no reason for this to happen. And I said, I want to take out every nut, every bolt, every plane, every tank, every truck. We're going to take everything out and to leave it behind. And to leave the hostages, you know, you mentioned the hostages before. Nobody knows how many Americans are there. Nobody even knows, but they're having a hard time. Now they're having a really hard time getting out. You know, we had some great people in there trying to get them out, and they were successful initially. Now they're not being successful, as you know better than anybody, because you've been incredible on the subject. But they're having a really hard time getting them out. It's dangerous business. But to leave them there, it would have been so easy. You don't take the military out first. He took the military out first. It's not even believable. Military comes out last. So it's a very tough situation. But we had it so beautifully under control. We had the economy under control. We had no inflation. We had low energy. We had energy independence. We rebuilt our military. We got the biggest tax cuts in history. We get the biggest regulation cuts in history by far maybe even more important than the tax cuts. We got Anwar approved, the biggest, perhaps the biggest site in the world, perhaps as big as Saudi Arabia, and it was done and now it's gone. They terminated it in Alaska. They terminated it. No help from Lisa Murkowski, by the way. So, uh, you know, it's very sad to see what, what's happening now. And very, it's very joyous when you look back. That's, I think, why you mentioned the book. The book has done well because people look back at that period, even with all the witch hunts and all the fake Russia, Russia, Russia hoaxes that was started by Hillary Clinton and the Democrats and all of the different hoaxes, the, the impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, the Mueller situation where no collusion after all that time, there was no collusion at all. You know, you go through that... But it was a joyous time because our country did so well. Our economy was so good. We did so well. And then we got hit with the China virus, and we came up with everything that you can come up with. And by the way, no mandates. The mandates are killing this country. No mandates. Got a good decision from the Supreme Court. I put on three justices of the Supreme Court, almost 300 judges. We had almost 300. Changed the whole court system. But they just gave a good ruling on that. They're coming up with some other rulings. Hopefully, they'll be good. Very important rulings coming up. So we'll see what happens. But it was a beautiful time, and I think people wanted to celebrate it. And I think that's why the book has been so successful. Let me go back to the economy. You mentioned energy. We were energy independent for the first time in decades and decades. We were a net exporter of energy. Um, we're now paying a buck, buck fifty more a gallon. It's going to cost people 
what, $500 to $1,000 more to heat their homes this summer, uh, the same amount to cool right. their homes, uh, uh, heat their homes this winter, cool their homes over the summer. And inflation is at a 40-year high. Penn Wharton, their analysis says it's costing the average American household up to $5,000 in Biden's inflation tax. Um, that disproportionately impacts, negatively impacts the poor and the middle class in this country. I have always been a strong believer that maybe one of your biggest accomplishments had to do with energy because it does impact the economy, but it also protect the, protects us on foreign policy. Again, we're not involved in the Middle East. The Straits of Hormuz don't matter. We're not begging OPEC. We're not begging Putin. And we're creating high-paying career energy jobs. And we also have the benefit of low-priced energy, the lifeblood of our economy. Um, that is the one thing I would argue that he could do immediately that would help dramatically the inflation uh, crisis we have, the 40-year high we have there. Do you see that happening? Would you advise him? Would you tell him, so, Joe, this is the single best thing you could do? I would tell him that, but he'll never do it because the, the radical left, as I call them, in the party will never allow it to happen. They're never going to allow that to happen. They're never going to allow the border to be sealed up. I tell them, seal up the border immediately. You can do it in four weeks and go back to stay in Mexico and all of the things that we did. We did so much. We had the border that was so secure, never been like that, never been like that. And within a period of months, they just allowed millions of people to pour in, far more than you see. You know, you show the pictures, you know, on the, on the news, they don't show. If you go to CNN and MSDNC and these various uh, networks, they don't show it. They never show it on NBC or fake news, ABC. They don't show it, CBS. They never show the border. They never show what's really happening. It's not even news, because news, you're supposed to see what's going on. They don't show the real news. And it's uh, very sad, very sad. They don't ever show the border. They don't ever. They don't ever talk about the horror of the Afghan withdrawal. Getting out again is good, but the way they got out was so bad. Most incompetent withdrawal from a battle site, I would say, well, let ever, me ask you this. ever in the history of any country. There's never been any country that withdrew like that. Grossly you, you, incompetent. You referenced COVID earlier. Um, you left office with three vaccines and monoclonal antibodies that you had created, which to this day, I think is the, the best therapeutic. I advise people to talk to the doctors. Um, the RNC put together an ad of Joe Biden during the campaign saying he will shut down the virus. Uh, we had more deaths in 2021 than 2020 from coronavirus. Um, and then I'll play you his remarks during one of the presidential debates and uh, get you to respond on the other side. Listen. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country, but I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. I'm going to shut down the virus. I'll shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. What I would say is I'm going to shut down the virus. I'm going to shut down the virus. 220,000 Americans dead. If you hear nothing else I say tonight, hear this. Anyone who's responsible for not taking control, in fact, not saying I'm, I take no responsibility initially, anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. You gave him those vaccines, those monoclonal antibodies, 
and we had more deaths from COVID in 2021 than in 2020. You heard his comments about 220,000, but then he said he wasn't, we had no idea. We didn't see Omicron coming. And we ran out of tests. We ran out of monoclonal antibodies. These antiviral medicines that doctors have been praising for months were unavailable and are still unavailable. How is that possible when he said it was a travesty that you didn't have enough tests in the beginning of the pandemic? Sharon, we did such a great job. We got hit with somebody that nobody knew what it was. Nobody had any idea what it was. It came in, and I closed the country to China early, way early, way beyond what anybody ever thought even possible. I did something that even nobody in the White House, and we had 21 people in the Oval Office, everybody except me said, keep it open to China. We saved hundreds of thousands of people. I then closed it to Europe, and we were we we stocked up our country with ventilators. We became the kings of ventilators. We were making them for not only our country. We had so many. We were making them all for all over the world, helping other countries. We stocked up our shelves. They were all, I said the cupboards were all dry. All the states, everybody dry. The federal government had nothing. We stocked it up. We did a great job. We haven't been given the credit we deserve. Our people did an incredible job. When he took it over, we were stocked up. We were ready to go. He had the vaccines. He had the therapeutics. And he didn't know how to use them. And he didn't know how. And they lost more people under him. They lost more people in that year than they did when really people didn't know what this horrible thing that floated in from China was. And it's a, it's a terrible thing. That's right. He used to talk about how he's going to close it up. But he did with H1N1. He had the H1N1. And he did very poorly with that. I said, why will he do? But, you know, it, it sounded good at the time. And when he got in, I said, I hope he does it. But he didn't do it. And they were totally unprepared for the new variant. Totally unprepared. No tests, no anything. And it's been a real mess. And as you say, a lot of people have died. A lot more. It's going to be a lot more than under an administration where nobody even knew what it was for a period of time. But we figured it out pretty fast. And you're right. We got the vaccines in nine months instead of five years. So it's supposed to take five years to 12 years. And guys like Fauci said, uh, it's not going to, we're not going to be able to do it in time. And we did it nine months, less than nine months. Nobody could believe it. And the therapeutics likewise, but they haven't known how to use them. And I think that people don't trust them. I think they don't trust Biden. They don't trust the administration. And that's why they're not taking them to the extent that they should be. I played earlier in the program for Reince Priebus and Scott Brown, the question from James Rosen about a poll that Americans don't uh, think that Joe Biden is mentally fit for the office. In other words, they're talking about his cognitive decline. I followed it up with a montage of these long pauses and and drifting answers and seemingly mumbling, bubbling incoherence even at, at times. Do you believe he's struggling cognitively? Because that question was raised about you, and I've been around you long enough to know that, that that's not a problem for you at all. Well, I went and took a test, and as uh, Dr. Ronnie Jackson, who's a great, great guy now, he's a congressman, and they love him in Texas, but he said he aced it, and uh, I don't think he ever saw anyone ace it. And I, I immediately said, because they started passing the false narrative, I think I'll know when the time is coming. I hope so. Maybe you will, too, when your time is coming. But 
No, I aced it. And uh, I thought it was very important because I started to to put out, well, gee, uh, did he say this? And, and by the way, what I turned out to say was all right. We made a lot of right decisions. But uh, look, when you watch the press conference, I don't want to be the one to say, but that's not a normal situation going on up there. And they were mostly very soft questions. I mean, Peter asked a good one. A couple of people asked a little tougher than they anticipated. But that was a very, very soft press conference. Most of it was not even really questions. They're just giving, you know, just giving statements and sort of saying how wonderful things are. But things aren't wonderful. They're not wonderful for our country. Our country is in a terrible way. Our country is in a position I don't think we've ever been in. Nobody is respecting our country anymore. It's like it's like day and night from what we had. We were respected. I don't want to say we were feared, but we can say it. But we were respected at a minimum. And I'll tell you what, uh, they knew that we weren't playing games. And none of these things would have happened. You wouldn't have had inflation. You wouldn't have had Ukraine problems with Russia. It was all working out. Everything was fine. I got along well with them. And they understood me. I understood them. You're going to have big problems with Taiwan. You're going to have problems with many things. This is all self-inflicted stuff. And if you really look at energy, I think the biggest component of what's happened with respect to inflation is energy. And we were energy independent. We didn't need anybody. In fact, we were exporting energy, making a fortune. We were going to be double the size of Russia and China. We're going to be double their size. We weren't number one. We were number one when I left. And we were heading in a year. We were going to be bigger than both of them combined. And that's something nobody ever thought would have been possible. You know, and instead, we gave up the mantle, and, and we looked like a bunch of very sad fools. You know, Joe Biden said he had one of the most successful presidencies first year ever, and, and his administration has exceeded all expectations. He asked rhetorically a number of times, what do, what do they stand for? So we actually went back and we pulled up your record in your first year and we pulled up his record now that he's been in office for a full year. Uh, you signed your first year 117 bills into law, including dozens of major legislative achievements. You repealed the individual mandate Obamacare. You, you did sign the biggest tax cut in U.S. history. You eliminated uh, more regulations than uh, at least five, ten presidents combined. You did open up oil exploration in Anwar and Alaska. Uh, we saw massive economic growth. You nominated Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. You set a record for first-year judicial appointments to the federal appellate court. You saw a historic reduction in illegal immigration. And you destroyed the caliphate. You bombed the living Adam Schiff out of them. And you force NATO members to uh, step up and pay their fair share. Uh, Joe brought us a 40-year high with inflation. A worker shortage actually now exists in the country. People are not even going back in the workplace. The average family is now spending up to $5,000 more a year because of his inflation tax. He shut down the Keystone XL pipeline. He gave the green light to Vladimir Putin, however. He's making Russia rich again. He blocked oil exploration on federal lands, including Anwar that you just mentioned. Uh, and, you know, now he's pleading and begging with OPEC and, and Russia to produce more energy when we could produce it here. Uh, what is your response? Because he was saying that he had a more productive first year than yours. 
It wasn't close. Everybody knows that. And what he's done in terms of building up our enemies is just incredible. You look at what's happened now with China, where there's no retribution whatsoever. You look at Russia. Russia now is making a fortune. You know, you're going to have energy. You talk about energy. You'll have uh, oil at $100 a barrel very soon. We're heading there. We're going to be very close to $100 a barrel. I had it down to 26, 29. I had it lower than that during the pandemic, during certain periods. And we made it affordable. We made it good. And yet we had more energy jobs than we've ever had. Now all those, not all, but a lot of those jobs are gone. And if you could start that up again and stop with all of the windmills all over the place that are ruining the atmosphere, you look at what's happening to these beautiful prairies and plains and these gorgeous areas of our country where they have these rusting hulks put up all over the place where that are noisy, they're killing the birds. I mean, I, I don't get the environmental sense. It's a very expensive form, probably the most expensive form of energy. Let me ask you, uh, a friend of mine was with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis the other day and uh, had a private conversation, but he, didn't, he said he didn't have confidential. And he asked if any of this, if, there's, if there is any conflict or bickering between you and him. And he said, absolutely not. He said, it's total BS. Is he right? Well, he is right. I get along great with Ron. Ron was very good on the Mueller hoax. He was, uh, he was right up front along with Jim Jordan and all of the rest of them. They were fantastic. The Republicans really stuck together. And it was a great thing. And Ron was one of them. And Ron wanted to run, and I endorsed him, and that helped him greatly. And uh, he went on, and he's done a really terrific job in in Florida. And I think, you know, Ron has been very good. He's been a friend of mine for a long time. It's totally fake news. I think Ron said last week, he said it very publicly, he says, the press is never going to get in the middle of my friendship with Donald Trump. We're not going to do that stuff. And he said it very strongly. I thought it was very interesting, actually, and very nice. But he said that. And I agree with him on that 100%. No, I have a very good relationship with Ron and intend to have it uh, for a long time. What do you advise Republicans for these midterm elections? Do you plan on getting active and involved in it? And who do you think the Democrats will run in 2024? And are you considering a run? So I'm a lot of wins, 158 wins, and uh, we're endorsing a whole big uh, flock of very good people. And, uh, you know, the whole make America great again, it's all about make America great again. It's about America first. That's why with energy and so many things that we're giving away to the enemy, we're giving them away to other people, other countries. We're giving all of that tremendous wealth away, all of that money, which can buy so many things for our country and, and help so many people. But it's about MAGA. It's about make America great again. And uh, we're endorsing a lot of people and they're really good people. And I think you're going to have a very strong Republican Party. You know, we've done incredibly well with Hispanics. You saw that record numbers. And in fact, uh, the governor of Texas, good guy, also told me that uh, we did more. He said uh, we did better with the Hispanic community than anybody since the Civil War. Think of it, the Civil War. And if you look at the Republican Party, we're doing tremendously with Hispanics, and we're way up with African Americans, way up. Well, uh, and look, I think it's a very different party. It's a bigger party. It's a stronger party. 
Uh, I heard the numbers as you were talking to Kevin. Those are great poll numbers. We've never had numbers like that. The Republican Party is, I think, really doing well, and it's becoming a very different party. But the inroads that we've made with Hispanics is just a beautiful thing. You know, they're very entrepreneurial people. They're very strong, smart, entrepreneurial people, and they like the Republican Party a lot. And I'm very proud of it because I head up the Republican Party at a time when we've done numbers. Look at my numbers with Cuba. Look at my the Cubans, Cuban-Americans. Look at my numbers with the Venezuelans that live in our country. Uh, they're unbelievable numbers and how well I've done in Miami me, during the election. We won we won the state of Florida big, but I did tremendously with Hispanics. Let me so ask you been, one last question. It's a very question. different party. I was with friends the other night and and your rally was going on and one of my friends, pretty smart political guy, actually said he knows that uh, we've known each other for all these years. And he said, just tell him, don't do any interviews with the media mob because they hate him and just to do rallies. And when he gets back in office, never talk to the media and and just re redo every policy he did and and stop fighting with people that he knows hates him. <laughs> he wanted me to ask you that question. And I'm curious as to your answer myself. You have less than a minute. Well, he sounds like a very smart person. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the rally the other night in Arizona was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Tens of thousands of people. I'd give you a number, the real number, but nobody would even believe it. I know the real number. Uh, many times tens of thousands. And it was incredible. As far as the eye could see, people. And uh, 41 miles of cars lined up 40, for 41 miles to be there. It was an unbelievable rally. And Look, I think we're going to do really well. I think we're going to have a tremendous 22, and hopefully we're going to have a tremendous 24. Uh, Mr. President, uh, we appreciate it. Are you running in 2024? We have 15 seconds. <laughs> well, I think you'll be happy, but we'll let you know at a little bit later date. But I think you'll I be I saved that happy. for the last 15 seconds because so. I knew you were not going to answer <laughs> that question, and I knew I'd waste time asking you that question. We appreciate you taking the time, and... Uh, very articulately going over the issues of the day. We appreciate it. Uh, the 45th president Thank of the United much, States. John. Thank you. Jeez Louise. Sorry, guys. I was like, uh, where's this guy going? You know, we're not, uh, we're not fans of Hannity around these parts, right? <laughs> but uh, was that not refreshing, ladies and gentlemen? I'd have to say that that was refreshing. It's been a while since we've had the voice of our president on the Sea Report. Thank you again, Mr. Sean Joe, for that hot tip uh, so we could get him on there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was going through the comments agreeing with a lot of what you all were saying. I mean, you know, Washington, D.C., pre-disco era. No, just kidding. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, for example, the, the vaccine issue, uh, you know, the... Uh, he, he could say something different, you know, it leaves room open uh, for doubt, which is, uh, I understand why, you know, uh, that, uh, that there are certain feelings and emotions that, uh, that go into that uh, entire thing with President Trump. But, uh, well, for now, ladies and gentlemen, I guess it is what it is. I guess it is what it is. Not to be a cop-out or anything like that, but, uh, all right, guys, that was great. Ah, that CJM61, thank, uh, thank Sean Joe, because, uh, I had not, uh, 
I had not. I did not have President Trump on the itinerary for tonight, uh, but that was most refreshing. Most refreshing. Good to hear from him. Uh, good to hear from him. You know, uh, I think Aurelius Locke had mentioned in the uh, the chat there um, about. Uh, I wish he would start saying more of the things that he's going to do as opposed to things that he has done. We'll get, he'll, he'll get there eventually, Aurelius. I know he'll get there eventually. Um, and uh, I don't think he could talk about what he's going to do because it's like telegraphing to the enemy, right? All of his next moves. He cannot tell them his next ninja moves or he wouldn't be a ninja. And uh, Amazon, BC Small, CGM, 61, 123, SKG, Sean Joe, Aurelius Locke, All right, guys. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. And thank you for the gold pill donations. And also, I, sh- I should add, for uh, especially for the podcast audience, uh, when that gap in the interview comes up, I don't know what the heck happened. I it appears my computer got bombed. Everything froze. Uh, it kicked me out of my pot. Uh, it kicked me out of my live streaming platform. It uh, it did that thing over there to you guys over on the uh, on the uh, live streaming platforms that you are watching on. So thank you all for hanging on, and uh, God bless that that was a short lived uh, hiccup there. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. So we can move on and press on with the rest of tonight. Uh, Interesting enough, President Trump did talk about some of the issues we were talking about just prior to that. Uh, What was that that we were talking about? We were talking about uh, Russia and we were talking about, hey, this be easy. What's going on? We were talking about Russia and we were talking about Ukraine. Uh, We'll move off that subject. Uh, Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow. Uh, But what else? What what else? What else is going on there? Uh, I know. In fact, uh, I think what we could do here. Because, you know, like I was saying, uh, there was uh, there was some pretty big stuff happening in the last day or so. And no, I'm not talking about Ghislaine Maxwell and her uh, sentencing date being set for uh, June 28th. But what I am talking about is this this, uh, Donald Trump lookalike on the screen, guys. Now, if you were to do a search of Boris Johnson, or at least when I did, uh, you know, it... uh, it only talked about the scandal, a scandalo, el dancing Boris with no mask, right? Uh, and other than that, uh, you know, maybe maybe an article or two or three or four about uh, the ways that uh, uh, that the parliament can kick out a leader, as if though uh, they needed to inform the in parliament of the United Kingdom or whatever, how to remove a president or a prime minister or whatever the heck he is. I don't know. I don't live in England. Um, that's about it. You know, eventually we, we come into an article where they're talking about how uh, doofus Johnson over here, uh, he who tricked uh, the people of England into thinking that he was a nationalist, anti-globalist, Brexit um, um, enthusiast. And then it turned out that he was nothing more than some kind of operative who had been instilled to pull one over on those darn old Brits. 
Yeah, that is. I. What are your thoughts on that, ladies and gentlemen? Because uh, there's a lot of stuff that one could uh, one could speculate on why. Now, okay, the the most obvious reason why. Mr. Boris Johnson uh, would be removing any of the COVID mandates. Uh, the most obvious reason would be to save his political career, because after all, he got uh, he got caught dancing by himself with no mask on and a party. <laughs> uh, was it one of those BYOBs, right? Um, so that's that that's the obvious reason right that's the obvious he's going to try and save his political career but with that in mind ladies and gentlemen he's going to get the rest of england and the world pissed off at him right now i'm talking about all the people who took their vaccines and i'm talking about all the people who enjoy hiding their face for whatever psychological or emotional reason that they have and I'm talking about all of the uh, all of the um, uh, control freaks out there that just enjoy pushing their weight around and telling people what to do. They're pissed off because Boris Johnson is effectively ending COVID mandates in the United Kingdom. What does that say to the rest of the world? Uh, some people would say, as uh, the United Kingdom goes, so goes Canada, and so goes Australia. I don't know. Do you think Canada and Australia will follow in tow with their crown colony? What about the rest of Europe? What kind of an example is this setting for the rest of Europe? And uh, what does the Queen have to say about this? Well, guys, we all know that the Queen doesn't really have true power there in England. So I guess it doesn't matter what she says. Um, maybe the royal family will be upset because, you know, with everyone just breathing on her now, like all of England's going to be breathing on the queen because they won't have their face diapers on anymore. Uh, she stands uh, more susceptible to illness. She could get the uh, demonicron or whatever the heck it's called, right? So yeah, there's a lot of things that could be said about this, you know. Uh, overall, it is a good thing. Overall, it is a big old fail in the face of a genuinely manufactured disease that was used as a uh, as a as a, uh, a weaponized against uh, you know the entire world in a planned pandemic that would uh, shut down economies and uh, whatever uh, whatever other things that this uh, whole instance was supposed to produce. Whether that was, you know, uh, a mass die-off or, I don't know, um, a great reset or whatever it was supposed to do. We're not going to speculate here for all of you people who are brand new to this show and watching right now. Or have no idea what the heck we're talking about. Or maybe did not even know that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, just passed a uh, resolution. I don't know what they passed in Parliament. I'm not from England. Whatever it was, he said, from here on out, we are going to trust the uh, opinion or the will of the people. Did you guys see that video? Did y'all see the video where he did this? Where he, he did his grand reveal? Where he dropped his trousers because, uh, I mean, well, he left them on the dance floor. Let's be real, right? But uh, uh, <laughs> isn't Parliament funny? They're all, yeah. <laughs> He's all, and there shall be. 
No more uh, staying indoors. Yay. And there shall be, uh, uh, everyone can go back to work. Yer, like they're so funny the way that they they go yer, and then and then of course when he said and no one shall have to wear a mask anymore, they, then they started screaming like yeah, you know I'm surprised that I didn't see people like start pulling the masks off, but again I mean if they're all subjects of their own fear and control, I guess uh, I guess at least they live by example, right, old Boris boy. <laughs> so anyways, great stuff. Uh, what other kind of speculations could we get out of this, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, oh, 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 change of narrative, okay? Could this coincide with the change of narrative? Now, as we are approaching election season, midterms, etc., it is, it is, it is really likely, uh, as we're kind of seeing it, as as the the fear of COVID is tapering off. Right. As the uh, the CDC and and the and the school districts and the legislature and the White House can't seem to figure out who's calling the shots here. Right. Like, you know, like, you know, White House and CDC are like, well, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be uh, 10 days of darkness. It can be five days instead. And then the school districts are like, what? No, we need two weeks. We need two weeks of of separation uh, from, you know everyone and stuff like that. They can't figure out who's calling the shots here, right? Um, and so uh, it's tapering off. And it makes sense that uh, they could be trying to change the entire narrative. Uh, now we're done with COVID. We're going to go into something else. I don't know what it could be. But um, it seems like that could be something. Now, the only thing was, if we're going to put that in step with Boris Johnson, I mean, I don't know when England has their elections. I'm not from England. But uh, would it serve the same purpose over there as it does over here? Because it seems to me that the rest of the world is going to kind of be like, England, what you doing? Uh, so, and then now, you know, is is Joe Biden gonna like cancel flights from England because they're dropping all of their COVID mandates? I mean, we're talking they don't have to have a vaccine passport. We're talking that they don't have to show their papers to go eat, to go dance, to go bowl, to go watch a movie, to go to a sporting event. It's done. It's almost as if COVID never happened, right? So, um. Uh, the only thing that I've heard about that, guys, is that uh, the people who got vaccinated are pissed off. And they're not pissed off because they were duped into taking something that doesn't work because apparently they seem to have forgotten that vaccines are supposed to uh, to basically cure, prevent, and stop and those diseases that it's intended for. They think it's, it's better to have taken it so the effects aren't as worse and then they die of a heart attack two weeks later. They're not mad because of that. They're not mad because they subjugated their children to fear and abuse and forced them to wear these masks to where they couldn't breathe, to where they couldn't see or socially develop. They're not pissed off about that. They're not mad because the teachers were keeping the kids out of school and, uh, you know, their children are not getting edgy. And we have an entire generation that's going to be like at least stupid by a year or two, right? Uh, not to mention all of the other social, emotional uh, ramifications and skills that they will be lacking, okay? Uh, this will be like a time of the great nightmare. Whenever they get older, we're going to have a whole bunch of memoirs and, uh, you know, books about uh, the terror of growing up in COVID-19 era of living. 
can't wait for it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sure that'll be worth a read. I think by the time that they get old enough to write a memoir, I won't be reading anymore. Anyways, so, <laughs> you know, people are just going to kind of like push that aside. Anyways, so... Um, uh, where was I going with this, guys? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're not pissed off about those things. They're not mad about any of that. They are mad because now they cannot be better than or holier than or superior to the pure-blooded, unvaccinated people who decided to, uh, I don't know, uh, wait to see what, uh, you know, kind of, uh, reactions or, uh, side effects are, who, who, who just said that, hey, it's my choice, and, uh, if I can live through the flu, I can live through this, or maybe the ones who did their research and they found out that there were, in fact, alternate medicines, and that the coronavirus as a whole is just a very gen- a generic name for a type of virus that can really be anything and they just slapped 19 on it and you know it, it differentiated it from everyone else with actually separating the actual like uh you know uh, uh, uh genetic makeup and material of this virus so as to deem it what it actually is that yeah anyways <laughs> oh my goodness aurelius Locke says is it wrong to yell i told you so and laugh uh, I mean, maybe once it's okay. No, just kidding. You guys do what you want. You guys do what you want to do. I'll be like, uh, I'll be kind, but I'll be like, just don't hug me because you're shedding spiked proteins and, uh, you know, you can forget about the date. No, just kidding. <laughs> Anyways, guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> CJM61 says rest of the world does not give a shit about what uh, England does. Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess they don't. Uh, I mean, I know I, I really don't, you know. How often do we talk about the United Kingdom here at the Sea Report? Now, we used to do an international uh, episode, but even then, we still did not uh, did not really talk about uh, England that much. They're just, you know. Uh, we talked about England when President Bolsonaro went to go visit. That was exciting. But we're fans of President Bolsonaro of Brazil here at the Sea Report. So what can I say, ladies and gentlemen? All right. Uh, okay, let, let's, let's put some meat next to these potatoes, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see uh, what this article has to say. Just so uh, you, know, you know, I'm not making it up. Uh, this is from the Washington Examiner. Let me go ahead and pull this on the screen for you. Boris Johnson confirms COVID-19 restrictions will be relaxed next week. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced Wednesday that key COVID-19 restrictions in the United Kingdom will be dropped as early as next week as the politician faces calls to resign. Johnson addressed Parliament, announcing that measures such as mandated public mask wearing, COVID-19 passports, and enforced self-isolation, all part of the country's Plan B. Oh, you mean a wired hanger wasn't part of that plan? Anyways... COVID-19 response will be shifted from compulsory edicts to optional guidelines. I'm only saying, guys, because that wired hanger, you know, it was it was it was pretty synonymous with that thing they stuck up your nose. Right. Except instead of anyways, lobotomy. All right. That's they're all walking around like zombies and then dropping dead of my- mitocarditis or a cardiac arrest. 
His statements were met with roaring cheers by members of parliament. I wouldn't say it was roaring. They're like, yay. (laughs) Parliament is so funny. This morning, the cabinet concluded that because of the extraordinary booster campaign, together with the way the public has responded to the Plan B measures, we can return to Plan A, which I guess is normalcy, in England and allow Plan B regulations to expire. Johnson said. From the start of Thursday next week, mandatory certification will end. And the heavens opened, ladies and gentlemen. From now on, the government is no longer asking people to work from home. And having looked at the data carefully, the cabinet concluded that once regulations lapse, the government will no longer mandate the wearing of face masks anymore, Johnson said. And Parliament erupted, prompting explosive shears. (laughs) Prompting explosive shears? What were they doing? Were they cutting down their bushes with explosives? (laughs) From the crowd of politicians. As COVID becomes endemic, we will need to replace legal requirements with guidance urging people with the virus to be careful and considerate of others. Oh, oh, wait. I thought we had to be careful and considerate of others if we didn't have the virus. Oh, how quickly the tides have turned. From, san- from satanic to angelic. Ah. The prime minister continued, We will trust the judgment of the British people. As COVID becomes endemic. Oh, yeah, that's just a, okay. All right, Boris. All right, Boreo. I'm glad to see that uh, your, uh, your exposed hypocrisy has led you to the thresholds of truth and sanity, it would seem. The announcement comes as Johnson battles calls to resign over appearing at a bring-your-own-booze-but-not-your-own-mask party in May of 2020, breaking his own lockdown rules at the time. He claims that he believed the function was an at-work, a work-related event, and that attending the function would be within the bounds of the government's policy. And the government's policy apparently is, you don't have to wear your mask behind closed doors in a group of people partying and getting down with their own bottle. Labour Party leader Keir Starmer said that his party does not want to see restrictions in place longer than necessary but called into question Johnson's motives, given the scandal. Responding to the Prime Minister, Starmer asked Parliament, can the PM share the evidence behind his decision and that he's not just protecting his job? Johnson responded, saying that the scientific evidence is there for everybody to consult, assuring that the decision was reached based on accurate numbers, on widespread testing and vaccinations. Well, Johnson, can you please share this information with your international colleagues? Because I'm sure everyone who has been locked down and enslaved and depressed and broke and poor would love to experience the freedom that you have returned to your people, Mr. Boris Johnson. So it's a kind of like, uh, what do you think about that, guys? What do you think about that? 
Very great, guys. Something to be said about the timing of all of this, right? Something to be said. Yeah, that's right, Amazon. Now they want the evidence. Now that Boris Johnson saying... We're not going to do it in England anymore. Now they want the evidence. They didn't care about the evidence before. I don't know. I don't know. Do you, do, do, does this fit into the? Uh, does this fit into the idea, the theory? Right. Let's call it a theory. I don't think it's a conspiracy because uh, we're not conspiring here. But could it fit into the theory that? Uh, one by one, everyone's going to start to show their true colors. Ah. Uh, you know what that that's that's a conversation for in the dark uh we'll save that one for in the dark okay guys all right so well there you have it england is free let's see what happens here Let, let's see what kind of pressure the rest of the world is gonna feel i mean i think i think that i think world leaders are gonna feel some pressure i mean you already got like half of Paris and half of France in the streets. You have half of every European country in the streets at their parliament, at their state houses, you know, complaining. And look at Australia, you know. And it didn't even get like that, uh, that rabid there in the United Kingdom as per uh, people really demanding their freedoms and their liberties that had been stripped away from them by a tyrannical overreaching government that was so autocratic they thought that they could force these mandates on you in the name of health and considering your fellow man the history books man they're really gonna they're really gonna look down on those people that were like you don't have freedom and liberty when we're talking about other people bull uh-uh mama that's wrong okay here is the next big story guys and then we're gonna get into the show oh what's that i'm having flashbacks ptsd Where's the, uh, where, where's the smoke bombs and the cannons and stuff like that? Oh, no, um, hey, speaking easy, thank you for, uh, donating 100 gold pills, sir. Appreciate it. 123SKG says, I heard a theory that there will be easing before the next variant hits. So, easing, easing as in they're gonna ease, oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying, 123SKG. What you're saying, 123SKG, is that they're going to ease off on the mandates, and then they're going to introduce a new variant, and then they're going to be like, you see, Boris, we told you you shouldn't have done that. Boris, damn you, you have damned the world to pestilence and apocalypse because you let the people of Britain run around without masks and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, that, that, whew, bet, you know. It's just like when you get a vaccine that's actually an M- mRNA gene therapy serum and your body starts creating the spike proteins, you know, you, even if you're not a scientist, y- you gotta understand that your body's gonna start creating the spike protein, uh, it, it, at least making you susceptible, you know, to uh, contracting it. And then everyone gets COVID. And then, you know, if you've been paying attention to anything, and I know most of you guys out there have, uh, all of the COVID patients are uh, vaccinated. (laughs) And yet you still have those dupes that go get their third or fourth booster shot. And they say, well, you know, it could have been worse. (laughs) 
Talk about conditioning and grooming the public. We all know that their goal is to have this as an annual thing. They're going to have the flu COVID booster, which is just basically the Corona Corona booster. Uh, it's, I mean, it's all the same crap. You know, it's a uh, COVID-19 is just uh, the flu moonlighting, right? So, oh, oh my days, ladies and gentlemen, I am getting far too excited here, guys. I am getting far too excited. Uh, hey, WC Cranop, how's it going tonight? Good to see you, sir. Aurelius Locke says, depends on who's writing the history books. True that, brother, true that. Truer words were never spoken. Because to the victors go the uh, quills of history, right? All right, guys, here was the next big thing, guys. We're going to Capitol Hill. And uh, this is going to kind of be the uh, theme for tonight as we move along. Uh, it seems that we should uh, pat each other on the back, uh, give each other a high five, uh, because um, uh, we have defeated the latest attempt for the deceitful Democrats to pass their damn election theft law. Oh, goodness, guys. We were talking about this for a couple of days, you guys know, but uh, this HR 5746, this NASA money remunerations to other places bill that was gutted and they put HR 1 and HR 4 in. Well, it was defeated. Yay. Okay. We, we knew it would be defeated. Okay. Once, once they dropped the cover of this bill, once uh, everyone realized what it was, and, and I guess maybe that's why none of the representatives really spoke out about it and was like, red alert, red alert. You know, uh, we have a uh, mass deception in progress right now in Washington, DC, uh, because they were going to, they were going to beat it anyways. I, I guess maybe, I guess maybe, um, but you know, the filibuster has been preserved and, uh, the, the, this federal overreach and this federal takeover of our, um, electoral process and our vote, which is our freedom has once again been defeated, which is a good thing. Because they say it's uh, the anti-voter suppression bill. Like, get real, okay? And stop insulting your constituents. Everyone knows where to get a damn ID, okay? It is not hard. It is not hard to find an ID, you know? And, uh, you know, if you really care about voting, then, you know, you have a lot of time to do it. So anyways, okay. Uh, you know, isn't it funny that people don't care about voting until like uh, suddenly it's, uh, it's like a, a civil rights thing? <laughs> they didn't care about any of this crap until they had, I don't know, RuPaul and her drag queens uh, go up there and say, oh, you need to fight for your right to vote. Oh, God, I just talk about poisoning the mind of a generation. Anyways, okay, uh, let's see what this is all about, guys. Let's look at this article here. This is actually from NBC News, so pardon my, uh, pardon my blasphemy here. Uh, Mansion and Cinema, and yeah, I love to pronounce their names wrong, join Senate GOP in rejecting filibuster rule change, dooming voting bill. Senate Republicans voted in unity. Wednesday to block the advancement of a package of sweeping election legislation pushed by Democrats in a tense showdown 
over national voting rights. And again, guys, you will be hard to find any articles that actually talked about what the Democrats did to get this bill on the floor and passed, okay? No one talks about the shenanigans they pulled and and gutting a bill that had entirely nothing to do with voting rights, okay? They have used Orwellian titles. They have used fluffed up titles. You know, they have used, you know, uh, similar, similar names for bills, but I don't recall a time. Oh, and they've also signed off on bills that they haven't read, right? But I don't recall a time where they put a NASA space bill on the table and there was nothing about NASA in that bill, but the same two election laws that failed the first time around because everyone knows that it would make stealing elections easier. It would, it would in effect make all of the theft that they performed in the 2020 federal election legalized, thereby retroactively alleviating them of their sin, even though, you know, they don't sin, right? They, They never did anything wrong. And also giving total control to the federal government of our elections. Oh, and putting us on the hook to pay taxpayer money, our hard-earned money, to support people that we don't even want in office. Terrible, guys. No one is talking about that in the newspapers. And only one representative that I know about informed the people. And it still kind of chaps me. Anyways, back to this. The vote on the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act was 49 to 51. It broke evenly along party lines, but... Now, this is a big but, guys. This is a big old stinky Chucky Chumer but. It says, Majority Leader Chuck E. Chumer switched his vote to no... In the end, in support of Mansion and Cinema. Just kidding. It says for procedural reasons. Can someone who understands Congress please explain that to me? This this guy who gets up there and cries, crying Chuck Schumer, and kisses eight-year-old babies on Epstein Island. He uh he voted against this after trying to like rail it through like you know with no you know <laughs> he tried to rail it through with you know with with no lubricant guys like and then he votes no on a procedural reason i don't know what is going on with these democrats guys <laughs> i have absolutely no idea what they are thinking Anyhow, that is how it went down. Let's finish the article. It fell short of the 60 votes needed to defeat a filibuster under Senate rules. The Senate then voted down a motion by Democrats to change the rules and impose a talking filibuster aimed at passing the legislation without Republican support once debate ends. The result was 48 to 52 falling short of the 50 votes needed to succeed with Democrats Joe Manchin and of West Virginia and Kristen Sinema of Arizona voting with Republicans to reject the rule change. 
the series of votes all but dooms federal voting rights legislation, one of President-select Joe Biden's top priorities for the foreseeable future. Ha! In a statement shortly after Democrats' rule change effort failed, Biden said he was profoundly pooped that the United States Senate had it wiped his butt and stood for democracy. He said, I am pooped, but I am not a turd. He said, warning that in state after state, Republican state legislatures are engaged in an unprecedented effort to suppress the sacred right to wipe my butt and subvert the American bedrock of free and fair restroom visits. Cinema said in a statement after the votes that she feared that chipping away at the 60-vote rule would deepen our divisions and risk repeated radical reversals in federal policy. You know what, Cinema? You're there doing what you're supposed to be doing, okay? You're playing the part that you're supposed to be playing. I'm sure you made a nice, good deal. And, uh, you know, you were the only lesbian brave enough to do it. Good for you, Cinema. Several Republicans lingered on the floor to shake Cinema's hand after she voted. Manchin told reporters as he left the Capitol that he is now focused on working with a bipartisan group of senators on other election security and vote protection efforts, such as revising the Electoral Count Act. Okay, now this is where we have to be careful, guys, because everyone knows any, you know, Marxist, communist, sympathizing, progressive law student or professor will tell you to their blue in the face, we need to get rid of the Electoral College. We need to get rid of the Electoral College. (sighs) You know... I was reading about that on this week. Anyways, it says, uh, they say it is an obscure 1887 election law. Uh, What isn't that? Isn't it not like in the Constitution? An election law? It's in the Constitution. Isn't it like, I don't know, uh, Article 3 or 5 or something? Anyways, okay. Well, uh, the point of this article, ladies and gentlemen, is that even though the Democrats used deception far worse than I have seen in my lifetime. And not just because, I mean, they lie to our faces all the time. We talked about Adam Schiff, right? Uh, you know, and, and everything that he did. You know, he was like, he was like, uh, and you better listen good because I'm only going to say this once. I'm going to say it about seven times. If I don't get some kind of reciprocity here, uh, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come for you guys. And don't call me, I'll call you, President Zelensky. And that was supposed to be Trump. And that was worse, or if not on par with an SNL skit. I got to agree with you there, Aurelius. (laughs) That was worse or on par with an SNL skit. What uh, Schiff did. But you know, maybe he practiced. Maybe he practiced with his SNL buddies at the Standard Hotel. You know, maybe they're like, hey, let's go do a practice for a skit ship. We'll show you how to do it. All you have to do is keep your eyes wide open and they'll believe you, right? That's what they probably said. All right. All right. If it's peanut butter, BC Smalls, maybe the dog will lick it. Okay, let's move off of this topic. In fact, uh, we were just, you know, these were some of the big stories of today. You know, um, at least in my opinion, uh, the Democrats suffer another defeat. 
And uh, Boris Johnson clears the way to uh, blame England on the next great uh, variant that's going to strike everyone. I mean, uh, come on. I mean, why not, y'all? But uh, but now that we are a cozy hour and 36 minutes into our broadcast, what do you guys say that we do a Trump statement? Mm, okay, yeah. We actually got to listen to President Trump a little bit earlier. We weren't we weren't planning to do that. It was it was refreshing to be able to sit back, relax, and uh, kind of dodge Hannity. Uh, but uh, you know, we're not going to complain. Um, okay, let's see what we got here. Because uh, you know the day's coming, guys, when he's going to start dropping the bombs again, right? Like the big booms. He's going to start dropping them big booms. Okay, let's see what we got here from President Trump. There's a statement here. It's a kind of wordy statement. It says, uh, my phone call to the Secretary of State of Georgia was perfect. Perhaps even more so than my call when the Ukrainian president, if that's possible. I don't know, President Trump. That phone call with Zelensky was pretty good. He says, I knew there were large numbers of people on the line, including numerous lawyers for both sides, although I assumed the call may have been inappropriately and perhaps illegally recorded. I was not informed of that. I didn't say anything wrong in the call. Made while I was president on behalf of the United States of America, to look into the massive voter fraud which took place in Georgia. Just last week, it was further determined that they are looking into ballot harvesting, ballot trafficking in Fulton County after supposedly watching tapes of it actually taking place. This alone could be tens of thousands of votes. That is uh, 249 people times, or, or div- wait, 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 $45,000 divided by 249, divided by, I don't know, like, it's a lot of votes, guys. It's a lot of votes. Okay, anyways, $10 a vote, $10 a ballot, right? $10 a ballot. That's like 4,500 ballots each. 249 people had 4,500 ballots each if they all walked away with $45,000 at the end of the day, honey. I think that's a little bit over the margin of victory, if you ask me. Okay, all right, let's get back to President Trump's uh, statement here. This alone could be tens of thousands of votes. What this civil special grand jury should be looking into is not my perfect phone call, but the large-scale voter fraud that took place in Georgia, then they would be doing a great job for the people. No more political witch hunts. Ooh. So, we're talking about the uh, ballot trafficking, ballot harvesting here in Georgia, the one that's happening by True the Vote. Um, and, uh, the one that Brad Raffensperger has been forced to open an investigation to, I bet he's crying. Uh, but who is this, uh, who is this radical DA that he's talking about? Oh, let's see. This is who we got here. Uh, this article is coming to you from, uh, what is the name of this article? It's not, it's, it's not Alabama. It, <laughs> it is, uh, the advanced local news. Okay. Let's see what they have to say here, guys, about uh, this Georgia DA 
who is seeking a grand jury to investigate the uh, whether Trump interfered in the 2020 election. She's trying to get her uh, her day in the light over there with the J6, J6, whoops, that's probably all they do. The J6 Unselect Committee. Okay. All right. Let me, uh, let, let me get my face off the screen there. Okay. There's the face of this radical DA. I kind of wonder if she is uh, one of Soros's lackeys, right? Do you think Soros paid for this one? It's possible. Okay. So uh, let's see here. It says, uh, the uh, Georgia prosecutor investigating possible attempts to interfere in the 2020 general election by former president, their words, not mine, Donald Trump and others, has asked for a special grand jury to aid the investigation. Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis on Thursday sent a letter to Fulton County Superior Court Chief Judge Christopher Brasher asking him to impanel a special grand jury. She wrote in the letter that her office has received information indicating a reasonable probability that the state of Georgia's administration of elections in 2020, including the state's elections of the president of the United States, was subject to possible criminal disruption. She is starting to sound like the AG of Michigan. Willis office has... What you talking about, Willis? Anyways, Willis office has tried to interview multiple witnesses and gather evidence and some witnesses and uh, and some witnesses and prospective witnesses have refused to cooperate without a subpoena. She wrote a special grand jury would have the power to subpoena witnesses. I'm sure she said with, uh, you know, licking her lips. Willis has declined to speak about the specifics of her investigation, but in an interview with the Associated Press, who currently perform their own election audits, apparently, earlier this month, she confirmed that its scope includes, but is not limited to, a January 2nd, 2021 phone call between one President Trump and one Bradford Raffensperger. A November 2020 phone call between one U.S. Senator Flimsy Lindsey Graham and uh, Bradford Raffensperger. The abrupt resignation of the U.S. Attorney in Atlanta on January 4th, 2021. And comments made during December 2020 Georgia Legislative Committee hearings on the election. I have to say, guys... Uh, clearly she was talking to one of her friends. They're like, well, we're not going to tell you anything, but we're going to talk to the Associated Press because they're part of the mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media. And we'll tell them our great evil plan in uh, this monologue about everything that they're looking at. Why isn't she looking at the severe mismanagement of, uh, of, uh, what happened at the, uh, at the, um, at the counting room floor in Atlanta, there at the State Farm Arena. Why isn't she looking at the uh, lack of, um, uh, I, I don't know, the, the chain of custody that was happening with these ballots? Why isn't she looking at that? Why isn't she looking at the video that we've aired here on the C Report of all of these ballots that are breaking election law because they're being left in the sole ownership with no one else in the room with someone else, or they're being left, you know, just boxes and boxes of ballots where no one's even looking at these ballots? Or what about the video? that they have of these women pulling out trunks from beneath, you know, the tables and quadruple stuffing the ballots through the, the vending, the ballot machines. Ladies and gentlemen, she totally has her priorities mismanaged. It's all I got to say about this DA. All right, let's get back to this article. Special grand juries, which are not used often in Georgia, 
can help in the investigation of complex matters. They do not have the power to return an indictment, but can make recommendations on criminal prosecutions. What you talking about, Willis, said the special grand jury is needed because it can serve a term longer than a normal grand jury term. It would also be able to focus on this investigation alone, allowing it to focus on the complex facts and circumstances. And having a special grand jury would mean that the regular seated grand jury wouldn't have to deal with this investigation in addition to their regular duties, she wrote. So this crooked DA here, who probably was birthed from the loins of George Soros, his money pouch, right? Fanny Willis. <laughs> All right, Fanny. All right, Fanny. I sees you, girl. I sees you. Hey, WC, thank you so much for the uh, 731 gold pills there. I appreciate you. Thank you for the cookie rolling on. What's up, buddy? All right, guys. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, we uh, we only got a few more items to go through tonight. Uh, we're gonna We're going to get back into Georgia in just a minute here. But in the meantime, we have one more Trump statement for tonight. So let's go ahead and get that ready for you. The C Report is 100% listener supported. If you enjoy the broadcasting that we bring to you with the C Report and other shows on this podcasting platform, we ask that listeners lend their support, become a monthly donor. When you go to anchor.fm slash the C report slash support or click on the support button over there at the anchor.fm slash the C report website, where you can help sustain future episodes of the C report and other broadcasting on this podcast station. Every bit helps, ladies and gentlemen. And as always, I thank you for your support. Another big story coming out of Georgia, guys. Another big story coming out of Georgia in regards to election fraud. Um, so uh, what President Trump mentioned, uh, of course, was, uh, was the ballot trafficking. So just as a quick, a very quick, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, visit into what that was all about, just to kind of, you know, rehash it in our minds. Uh, we had um, uh, an organization called True the Vote that uh, purchased uh, cell phone data uh, and purchased geolocation mapping stuff for it uh, and then uh, pinged the geolocations of cell phones, yeah, in five different states. It cost them a lot of money. They had like 30 terabytes worth of, uh, worth of data that they had to cull and they had to analyze. And as they did that, they found that there were very specific patterns uh, of certain uh, individuals that uh, went to uh, drop boxes in many counties. Uh, and through that, they were able to deduce that um, uh, they were actually uh, making their rounds, dropping off ballots in ballot boxes in several counties in Georgia and in Texas and in Arizona. And I think in Michigan or Pennsylvania, there's five different states where this uh, investigation is involved. And, uh, and that was just kind of like, you know, that was kind of like, okay, there's something funny here, right? There's something going on. Clearly, uh, we need to ask questions, right? Well, uh, 
this was leaked to the press by Brian Kemp, right? Intentionally, Brian Kemp, the rhino governor of Georgia, leaked this information to the press and they totally demonized her. You know, and she withheld information for that very reason on that situation. Uh, And then a whistleblower stepped forward. And the whistleblower said, well, I got paid $10 a ballot to do this. And yeah, that's me on film. Uh, And apparently his mama is the one that talked him into uh, uh, coming clean. Okay. (laughs) I mean, uh, what a world, guys. So, uh, so uh, yeah, that's why Bradford Raffensperger is currently, you know, uh, investigating this situation. And uh, that's why he's having sleepless nights. And uh, that's why President Trump mentioned it, because this case has teeth. And uh, it's clamping down pretty tight, guys. When you got a whistleblower, you got video evidence, and you also have, uh, um, you know, physical locational evidence uh, by way of uh, data mapping and stuff like that. Like, it's a, it's a doozy, guys. Like, it's pretty cool uh, how all of these things are coming to light right now. I got to say uh, something about the timing. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know... Did we already win? <laughs> okay, let's get into this Trump statement, ladies and gentlemen, so we can close up the night. Derp, derp, derp. Yes, I see. Okay. Oh, speaking of which, before I before I read this, I'm glad uh, that you mentioned that 123SKG. Uh, uh, she says, Mr. C, look at Colonel West's post on Gab about the Texas National Guard. Well, I'm sure I have Gab. I think I made an account, but I, I, don't, I'm, I haven't used it since I made it. But it's not the Gab part that I'm glad that you mentioned. It's the Colonel West part that I'm glad that you mentioned. Now that you mention it, 123SKG, talking about Fanny, what you talking about, Willis, the crooked DA from Georgia, okay? Okay, Colonel Allen West, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West is the only person I have ever told that has ever told me. Sorry, not I've ever told that has ever told me that there is a remedy to get rid of crooked DAs and crooked judges. And that is that the governor of a state, if it's in their constitution, can impeach the mother. Okay, I got to say, guys. He's talking about doing it already, and he's dropping names like George Soros, and uh, I, I, I admire him for dropping that name because, uh, you know, that's one of those taboo names that politicians can't say because then they get demonized and they get uh, laughed off the stage as a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. But he said it, and it's true. I mean, the paper trail is there, okay? The money and the receipts are there. You can clearly see that George Soros donated X amount of thousands of dollars into campaign. He did it in this last local election here in Austin. He threw money at uh, some Democrat that was running for uh, um, uh, city council, and he threw money at uh, at defunding the police. In Austin, $50,000 he threw into Austin, Texas. They are, they're the receipts. George Soros is a real man. He's not a boogeyman. He's not a demon and he's definitely not infallible anyways thank you for bringing up that because i wanted to mention that about colonel allen west uh that he's talking about impeaching these judges and i know there are a lot of crooked judges in the houston dallas area and oh san antonio you need to get your pipes cleaned because san antonio is crooked and a half right 
Anyways, okay, let's read this President Trump statement. It's a short one, ladies and gentlemen. It says, uh, President Biden admitted yesterday in his own very different way that the 2020 election may very well have been a fraud, which I know it was. I'm sure his representatives who work so hard to make it look legit are not happy. Well, it's either he's lying, it's a Freudian flip, uh, he's confused, or he pooped his pants when Biden talks, right? Uh, <laughs> but uh, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's just so interesting because, again, uh, you get to see how the machinery of the propaganda, um, you know, works in regards to what's really happening, you know, like all that the mainstream, mainstream fake news legacy media had to do was not talk about any of the fraud unless it was a rebuttal towards anyone trying to find the truth or it was just to completely demonize or, you know, I mean, that's why every single article you hear former, uh, you hear even though he had no proof, uh, Joe Biden rightfully won, all of this stuff. It's all, it's all just, you know, repetitive, 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 repetitive. Oh, that's not bueno, Amazon, about the National Guard. Yeah. Well, you know, that's only going to add more ammo to uh, Colonel West's... Uh, campaign because that's exactly what he's talking about right now. He's talking about uh, Abbott sending the troops out with no guidance and no direction and no instructions and no battle plan. And they're out there like, what the heck are we doing out here? Anyways. Okay. Thank you. One, two, three, SKG and Amazon. I appreciate that. Um, So anyways, uh, you know, getting back to this whole election integrity stuff and the fraud. Yeah, it's true. It's out there. You know, we've covered it at nauseum here. At the Sea Report, you know, we've even covered it twice and thrice, you know, and I don't mind it because uh, the, the details need to be remembered. Uh, the instances need to be remembered because there was so many different types of fraud in this election that they utilized that we can document, you know, like uh, we can document and catalog all of these different types of fraud, you know. Ten years ago, I thought that all they did was, you know, uh, uh, use machines to flip the votes. Like, that's how, that's how, uh, what do you call it? That's how, I don't know, prehistoric, juvenile, my mind was. Like, oh, yeah, the machines flip the votes. That's how they do it. They rig it. You know, oh, my, oh, my word. Like, how many ways did they steal the vote? So many different ways. Shepherding Shepherd says, we are seeing how it doesn't work anymore. Exactly. And uh, it begs the question, are things supposed to be this way? Did it have to be this way? I don't know, guys. I mean, if you guys had known me back in like, I don't know, 2019, 2020, how about uh, about on Inauguration Day? You know, I mean, my jaw still hit the, the floor, right? You know? I was expecting them to take uh, Biden and, uh, and Harris and, and Lady Gaga up into a helicopter and take them to Gitmo or something, right? Didn't happen, but that's okay. It had to be this way, okay? Because uh, 
everyone is seeing it, whether they admit it or not, they know something's up. Okay, they know something's up. Well, what was the most recent poll on uh, people who thought that there was some type of election fraud or there was election fraud in 2020? Wasn't it like 56 or 60 percent now? That's a pretty big number, guys. That's that's more than two thirds the country. Well, more than one third for sure. Anyways, okay. So uh, yeah, so he's talking about the election fraud here, talking about how you know uh, it, it almost seems scripted. You know, it almost seems scripted. We have uh, Boris Johnson, uh, you know, uh, letting his Brit- British people free. We have Joe Biden, who's just provided us some really good fodder for comedy and has really cleared the path. Uh, to where you cannot deny that uh, people of that mentality and political affiliation can really mess things up. And then uh, you, we have Hillary Clinton running again, guys. We have Hillary Clinton who's going to run again. This woman is truly a masochist, but, you know, that's what I hear about the woman, right? Like, she really likes, you know... She really likes getting involved in that. I mean, guys, let Hillary Clinton run. Let her run. It's going to be fabulous. I'm ready for Frazzle Drip 2.0. Let's go. We're getting ready here on the Sea Report for that, guys. Don't you know? We're getting ready for that Crimes Against Humanity spotlight. We're jumping on that bandwagon already, ladies and gentlemen. That's why, uh, that's why we're highlighting Human Trafficking Prevention and Awareness Month, which is currently going on right now, ladies and gentlemen. That's exactly why we are doing it. Because if R. Kelly and Justice for Juicy can get convicted and Ghislaine Maxwell, something's coming, okay? But I remain ever faithful, maybe not hopeful, but ever faithful to that idea. Because in the end, guys, faith will get you there. Faith will get you there. All right, let's talk about Georgia. This is going to be our last touch. No, no, no. We got one more touch after this. After this, we have one more touch on some election integrity news. Uh, like I said, true the vote, ballot trafficking, President Trump, uh, whistleblower, Georgia, blowing it wide open, Brad Raffensperger crying himself to sleep at night because the man, the Democrat in Republicans' clothing, the rhino, um, he is... He's well, you know what? Actually, I, I would like to think he's going to see his day of justice. But but to be honest with you, if that man were smart, he would like totally milk this ballot trafficking case. So that this way it alleviates him of any accountability. If he were smart, he'd be like, yeah, yeah. And just decertify it. Just decertify it, Brad Raffensperger. Don't fight it. You are, you are being given a way out, Bradford. It's not your fault. You did not certify a fraudulent election. There was not severe mismanagement at the State Farm Arena, Brad Raffensperger. There was no Ruby Freeman, Brad Raffensperger. There was no Ralph Jones or Wandrea Shamos, okay? You, you have your way out, buddy. Just decertify it. This is your chance to get scot-free, okay, to, to walk away with your name unbesmirched and you did everything you could to preserve the integrity of Georgia's elections. Bradford Raffensperger, are you listening? So if he were smart, he, he would run away with it, guys, I'm telling you. But let's talk about this next big instance. 
And this is one that has been hanging around from the very beginning. Now, on the screen here, we have one Garland Favorito, and I love this man. This man is just the humblest, most soft-spoken, and nicest man. And he has such a reserved optimism, guys. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he is such a reserved optimism. Maybe it's tied to faith or something. Every time his cases got knocked down or dismissed, every time there was something untoward that was going on in his investigations. Oh, yeah, well, you know, that's just the way it's going on now. But, uh, you know, we're going to seek an appeal and the judge's going to hear it. You're going to see we're going to see our day in court. And, you know, we will have our votes restored in Georgia. Like, you'll see. We're going to we're going to play a video clip of him. Uh, but, uh, the, one of the biggest things that we're talking about here, and this goes back to the severe mismanagement that happened at State Farm on election day plus 10, I'm being facetious, um, was the, uh, was the chain of custody issue, guys, the chain of custody. Okay. Now we know it was broken. Brad Raffensperger knew it was broken. I mean, he had eyes and ears on the ground taking neurotic notes. Okay. Um, the Georgia Star knew it was broken. And from thence, every other independent uh, journalist uh, and, uh, you know, news group knew about it, that cared to report about it, because they wrote every county in Georgia and they asked for the documentation on the chain of custody. And something like, I don't know, half or more of the counties could not provide that chain of custody. In fact, we've even looked at examples of, uh, of ballot pickup sheets that did not have the proper chain of custody. And that is a law, ladies and gentlemen, that is, uh, is, is it, it exists in like every state, right? Every, you have to have a chain of custody documentation. We need to know who, what, where, when, and how, uh, the, well, maybe not how, but, uh, you know, these, these ballots were transferred and they don't exist. So Garland Favorito and voter GA. And again, uh, this guy is not a Trump supporter. This guy is, I think he's a Democrat if I'm not mistaken, but he's all about election integrity. Okay. And, uh, he's been on it with voter GA and their primary focus was investigating the ballots themselves. They've been, they were defeated like three times over, never gave up. Uh, and, uh, you know, even from what they were able to, uh, to inspect, they still came up with good, solid evidence of some type of election. He never called it fraud, guys. He never called it fraud. He had a lot of integrity, okay? He had a lot of integrity and respect for his investigation, not to just outright be like, there's a fraud in Georgia. Well, things have changed, ladies and gentlemen. Things have changed. And uh, let's see what we got here for ya. Here is a uh, press release from uh, Garland Favorito and Voter GA about their latest findings in the case of the general election for Georgia in the year of 2020. It goes something like this. Custody chain analysis finds 106,000 plus suspect ballots uselessness of Dropbox videos. Voter GA today announced a new chain of custody study that revealed nearly 107,000 Dropbox ballots in the November 2020 election. Results have improper chain of custody forms that call into question the authenticity of those ballots. 
The study resulted from a statewide analysis of ballot transfer forms obtained via open records request. The findings are preliminary, and the number is expected to increase dramatically as more counties acknowledge they cannot produce oaths for collection team members or admit that they have destroyed surveillance videos in spite of federal and state retention laws that require election records to be retained for about two years. This is reminding me of uh, Jocelyn Benson, the Secretary of Snakes up in Michigan. She did the same thing. She did the same thing. The findings do not include missing forms that have been previously estimated to grow to approximately 355,000. Further, Voter GA discovered that most counties have no records of how many total ballots were collected from drop boxes, so there is no way to determine how many ballots were collected when several days' worth of forms are missing. Specifically, improper chain of custody issues email entails violations of state election board rules or impossible circumstances in the forms. Examples of violations include, and that's right, my friend over there at Twitch, I'm reading an actual document and uh, all you can do is name call. All right. Chain of custody forms that are unsigned by collection team members, forms with only one person identified on the pickup team, forms with no name of who received it at the county election center, forms not received on the same day of pickup. And here's a sample list of impossible circumstances. Forms with collection times after the drop-off times. Recorded pickup times for locations too close together to be accurate. Pickups dated before boxes were installed. Pickups on the day after the election. Have a good night, Aurelius. Voter GA also identified massive problems with Dropbox videos many of which have been prematurely destroyed by the counties. Those retaining their videos wanted as much as $15,000 for the recordings uh, or could not produce them until months after the election was certified. Even if recordings exist, they are inadequate to detect the content of nighttime drop-offs because cameras are positioned behind the box and too far away to identify what was deposited into the box. The presentation was made by Voter GA Chain of Custody Team Lead David Hancock. Voter GA co-founder Garland Favorito added, Our poll-watching team recently found that SB202 did not solve the problem. Some poll workers will allow ballot harvesters to drop hundreds of ballots into drop boxes at polling locations. The law and SEB rules must still be changed further and enforced to ensure election integrity. It's a beautiful marriage between Garland Favorito and uh, True the Vote. Or should I, I should say a beautiful marriage between Garland Favor between Voter GA and True the Vote. These two independent separate organizations about election integrity coming together to merge their findings and support each other. Great, great greatness, great patriots, ladies and gentlemen. Great people who love their country and understand the sacredness of our vote. 
as it again is not just our voice and our choice. It is literally representative of our freedom. And I cannot stress that enough. All right, let's uh, take a look at this short clip from uh, the uh, press conference that Garland held. I think it was today. Actually, if it wasn't yesterday, it was today. But yesterday, you know what we were talking about. So, uh, And after this, guys, we got one more really quick story and we'll call it a night. Uh, so let's see what Garland Favorito had to say. He's kind of changing his tune and I like it. Deceiving people if they say that no one in the actual video, no one in the Secretary of State's office and no other county has done this. And the reason that we show you all of this information, the videos and the actual forms and the actual rules is to prove that we're telling the truth and the Secretary of State's office is deceiving people if they say that it's all authentic and this is not, uh, these are not done correctly and the, it, it makes the ballots in question. Well, I, I, I'm sorry, just, let me hold, I want to make sure you're asking really good questions. If, I want to make sure you have any more. Correct. And where is the evidence that he's reviewed it? And where is the evidence that he has found it? The Secretary of State continues to make these claims that everything is okay, but he can never prove it. And in fact, and not only that, he is preventing us from seeing the ballot. He filed an amicus brief in our case to prevent us from seeing the ballots that would have proved to the, all the public, regardless of whether they're uh, Republican, Democrat, or anything else, would have proved the election results. The Secretary of State, in conjunction with the Attorney General, is preventing the people of Georgia from knowing the truth about the election. And that's totally unacceptable, whether it's this election, the next election, or any other election. And the rules are very simple, and you can read it. I don't remember the number. Garland, of course, does. Oh, election rule. Um, 114-something. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it's not hard to follow. And these rules were just not followed. And I, I don't blame some of these smaller counties, especially. It could have easily been a lack of training. Uh, There's just a lot going on. But, you know, to say, uh, I mean, the Secretary of State reviewing, finding video, that's tough. That's tough to go through the video. It's tough also to compare the transfer forms from the county to those from the state. But it's not hard. The Secretary of State has all these forms to go through and say, wow, these ballot transfer forms were not filled out at all according to the rule and the process wasn't followed that we set up to be, ensure a chain of custody. Is your belief that the Republican Secretary of State was trying to not count ballots or make sure the Democrat would win? Um, I, I think that if you look at it as a Republican Democrat thing, I think it kind of misses the point. The point that we for uh, re their resignations by the Secretary of State. All these elections directors, and there are several of them, have simply tried to put out um, information about problems that they were having. In Coffee County, the machines failed to recount the election three times. And the elections director uh, and the election board brought 13 megabytes of information to the Georgia General Assembly. They testified. Uh, about all the problems. And the Secretary of State attempted to get this elections director fired. She was backed by the board, the board backed her, and, and they went around the back door, went to the county manager, tried to get her off. There's, se uh, there's several different examples of that 
in multiple counties. So this is a systematic cover-up by the Secretary of State who's been doing this for uh, ever since the election. So, so yes, to answer your question, I'm sorry, that's a long, that's a long uh, uh, about answer. But yes, there is a cover-up in the state of Georgia. And yes, the Secretary of State, we believe, is, is behind it. Get him, Garland. Get him. You get him, boy. Get him, Garland. We've been waiting for Garland Favorito to say those words for a long time, guys. He's never declared there to be a cover-up. He's never placed any blame. He's always been very professional and, like I said, a lot of integrity. He's very polite, too, isn't he? I'm sorry, that was a long answer. <laughs> Let me give it to you short. There is a cover-up, and it is Brad Raffensperger. Oh, man, guys. So, yeah, when you got someone like Garland Favorito, mild-mannered, investigative uh, American going after you, oh, you better be scared, guys. You better be afraid. All right, y'all. So I wanted to share that with you guys. I thought that was a great story. And I apologize again. Uh, I don't know what's going on with my Wi-Fi. I keep getting booted off of my live streaming platform for some reason. And I know that because it's affecting all of my platforms, not just uh, one or two in particular. So, uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Last story for tonight, guys. We're going to talk about um, Katie Schnobbs or as... Senator Borelli called her Katie Hobgoblin from over in the state of Arizona, the Secretary of Snakes, the Secretary of State. Oh, Lord. This photo, I did not put it together myself, featuring her in her uh, lesbian Sonic the Hedgehog uh, hairdo and uh, then the one sleeping bear, mouth agape, tongue out, uh, drooling, I don't know. A.G. Bernovich, guys. Okay, these are two characters. Let me tell you right now. Katie Schnobbs and A.G. Bernovich. Uh, one who is just, you know, totally against everything that America stands for and has done everything that she can in order to, uh, in order to, uh, you know, just totally uh, destroy our elections and uh, this woman. I keep wanting to do her voice. She's like, I'm Katie Hobbs and I'm running for governor. Anyways, and so then we have A.G. A, a Bernovich. Uh, he's been touted as the sleeping bear forever here at the Sea Report. And indeed, he's still in deep hibernation, it would seem. It's been over 100 days since he received the Arizona Forensic Audit Report. Um, he has had time to take a gander over at Katie Hobbs, uh, um, election, election rules report for next year. Uh, and actually that's what this is about. I saw the headline. Headline was like, A.G. Bernovich warns Katie Hobbs about the next election or something. And I was like, oh, okay. So he's going after Hobbs now. All right. Bernovich is finally doing something. It's about damn time, sir. You put down your nunchucks. And you picked up your constitution. Uh, but no, not 100% what that was all about. Uh, but what this is about, from the Gateway Pundit, uh, Arizona Attorney General Mark Bernovich threatens to prosecute Soros-funded Secretary of State Katie Schnobbs, Katie Hobbs, for rigging the 2022 election. So, you know, he, he's, he's, he's looking forward, right? He is threatening to prosecute Katie Hobbs for rigging 2022. 
because he read her election manual and he did his fine little red pen edit and it was like, nope, 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 you can't do this. And so basically they're, they're issuing her a warning. If you go through with anything that you showed us in your how to, uh, you know, obstruct and uh, defraud, you know, elections, um, you're going to get in trouble. Now, you know, as much as I call him a sleeping bear and I, you know, if I have not learned anything in the last year and a half or so, uh, it was uh, the value of patience, ladies and gentlemen. I, I was I was being taught to have the virtue of patience and faith, because let me tell you what these times and I'm sure you all could agree with me. These times tend to spend those two virtues rather quickly. Um, so patience, right? I'll give him the benefit of the doubt just because I am always an optimist. He's waiting for what? He is waiting for uh, that last special master to turn in the final report on the Splunk log so he can have the complete and full report, I hope. Uh, I don't know anything about that person, 123SKG, to be quite honest with you. The last time I heard about him, aside from the Cyber Symposium, he was telling everyone to... I don't know. He was telling everyone, like, the world was going to end or something like that. Anyways, um, okay, so uh, let's see here. Let's see what the article has to say. It goes like this. Radical Soros-funded leftist Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs is uh, straining to steal the 2022 elections, starting with a rigged primary election. The Gateway Pundit recently reported that Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich rejected Katie Hobbs' proposed 2022 elections procedures manual after she failed to correct the outline, outlined law violations. Arizona will now operate under the 2019 Elections Procedure Manual. Katie Hobbs, who is also running for governor of Arizona, sent an email to candidates last week informing them that the equal online system would be shut down in March, likely until the end of the filing period in April. She is rigging another election. This would make the online petition portal for 2022 candidates unavailable. Candidates must obtain a minimum number of petition signatures to appear on a ballot. Arizona law requires the Secretary of State to provide a secure internet portal for candidate petitions. On Friday, Assistant Attorney General Jennifer Wright sent an email to Secretary of State's office threatening Katie Hobbs with a Class 6 felony if she follows through. It says here... Who is this from and who is this to? Sambo Bodul, General Counsel and Senior Election Policy Advisor. Okay. All right. I guess that's who it's being addressed to. We have received numerous complaints regarding the Secretary of State's office, recent communication to congressional and legislative candidates regarding the equal online system, an email sent from the SOS dated January 11th, 2022, informed candidates that the system would be suspended when the new restricting maps are finalized and likely remain unavailable through the remainder of the filing period. The purpose of this letter is to inform you that any such action would be contrary to law. 
The SOS must therefore take all steps necessary to continue the equal system during the remainder of the candidate filing period in order for the Secretary of State to comply with the law and her legal duties. The law requires the Secretary of State to provide an online system for congressional and legislative candidates to gather nomination signatures. Notwithstanding any other statute in this title, the Secretary of State shall provide a system for qualified electors to sign a nomination petition for candidates uh, for statewide and legislative offices by way of a secure internet portal. Furthermore, the system shall allow only those qualified electors who are eligible to sign for a particular candidate to sign the petition. Moreover, as you are aware, a public officer upon whom a duty is imposed by Title 16 who knowingly fails or refuses to perform that duty in the manner prescribed by law or knowingly acts in violation of any provision of such law is guilty of either a Class 6 felony or a Class 3 misdemeanor. The Attorney General is required to enforce the provisions of Title 16 through civil and criminal actions in any election for members of the legislature. As it is clear that no action yet has been taken to deprive candidates of their statutory right to obtain online nomination signatures, we urge the Secretary of State to fix the system without delay. Signed, Jennifer Wright, Assistant Attorney General to Attorney General Brnovich. All right. Uh, and then it goes on about how uh, Brnovich sucks for not getting anything done with the decertification of the Arizona uh, um, um, 2020 general election. And it goes on to talk about how he's been hibernating with his nunchucks in a cave and you need to call him or contact him somehow, particularly if you live in the state of Arizona. So, okay, so he's blocked her path forward, right? Because everyone knows she's not going to get it, all right? Katie Hobbs is not going to get it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, There's no way. I mean, Carrie Lake, guys. I mean, come on, you know? I mean, come on. You know the thing. Katie Schnobbs. (laughs) So anyways, um, so he's blocked her path forward. At least one of her... I'm sure she has other shenanigans up her sleeve. You know she has things up that sleeve, that Katie Hobbs. So uh, we'll see what happens. And we will um, we will patiently await uh, this um, verdict from uh, A.G. Brnovich about Arizona. Uh, I think it's timing, guys. It's got to be timing. We're so close in Georgia. Someone said that they thought that Michael Gableman's uh, investigation in Wisconsin was a waste of time. I didn't agree with that, per se. Um, There's no telling what that man could uncover. Oh, but guys, there was a story I was going to share with you about uh, Wisconsin, but we'll we'll save it for tomorrow, maybe. Uh, God. Robin Voss, the House Speaker of the Rhino. Oh, boy. That man is... uh, He is absolutely uh, showing his true colors right now. And I told you I was going to keep calling him a rhino for as long as the day is, uh, you know, on a summer solstice. But anyways, guys, that is the show for tonight. Thank you all for hanging out with us this evening. Uh, I hope you guys uh, found this show informational, if not at least somewhat uh, entertaining. 
Uh, and uh, we will be back tomorrow, I believe. We uh, we got two things on the plate, I believe, for tomorrow, God willing, and should the schedule remain. Uh, we will be doing a Mr. We'll be doing the C report, and then we'll also be doing a Mr. C in the dark tomorrow. So you can look forward to that uh, casual conversation. Java will be on with us again uh, tomorrow night, and uh, we're going to talk about some things, ladies and gentlemen. It should be a fun time over here at the old Mr. C TV, Mr. C channels. Uh, in the meantime, again, uh, if you're joining us on Twitch or Clout Hub, thank you for uh, being with us live. If not, enjoy the restream. And of course, if you are with us live at uh, Foxhole and or at Pill.net, uh, it is always a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for being in the audience. And thank you for uh, any donations that you send this way. Uh, definitely, I do greatly appreciate your support of the show. Okie dokie, ladies and gentlemen, that about does it. And uh, you guys have a great night. And as always, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you tomorrow.